This is what it is. Husbands, this is what it is. Never get to that from the scripture. If you just go into marriage um, not knowing any of this, we all have these expectations about, about what, what the husband should look like, what the wife should look like. And, and as I have learned, as we have learned, and I'm teaching you tonight, be careful with expectations. You bring into your marriage the marriage that you saw growing up or you didn't see. And so you base some of those expectations on what should be, or even if it was like you took your truth from what you filled your head with from different things. And so this is what our staff has learned. This is what I've learned. We have lead staff values here at Lindsay Lane, and every one of our leaders have heard these. And we go down these seven values that we want to uphold as leaders, because if we can set these values and uphold them, then that sets the culture of the church that we can guard. But this is what we learn. Anytime you make a list of what should be expected of yourself, or you make a list of what should be expected from someone else, you better write G-R-A-C-E down that list on the side. Because if you don't, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You, you have to extend grace knowing that we are, are truly not capable in and of ourselves to do anything godly outside of God and his grace and his strength. So let me just pray. And, um, and I would also, I know tonight that you know, we, we have not just married couples in here. We have singles in here. We have some young folks in here. We have um, also people that are here alone and their, their spouse is not with them for one reason or another. But anyway, so it's, it's hard to listen for yourself when you're wanting. To, <laughs> it's hard anyway if you're sitting beside your spouse, but it's hard to listen for yourself when you know that they need to hear it. Um, and, and I would just caution you with that too. Just, just pray through your own responsibility and pray for theirs. And uh, let's do that right now, all right? Lord, we thank you for your word, and we trust you, O oh God, to make it plain to our hearts tonight, and I'm thankful for what you've taught me, and pray that it would uh, leap off of the page and into my heart, and it would make its way to my expressions, and um, just pray this for our church. Lord, I know that if our homes are healthier, our church will be healthier, and uh, know, Lord, that we won't have to worry about our four walls, and we can reach outside of them. If, if we are walking right with you. So, Lord, I pray that that would be our desire and to be reverent and obedient to you as you teach us tonight, Lord. I pray for each and every family, each and every husband and wife, each and every young man or woman that would be a husband and wife. I, I pray, Lord, that you would lead us to think outside of ourselves tonight, Lord, and to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, husbands, as a review from last week, just as a few things, a few conclusions that we, we started off with. First of all, we said last week that our responsibility in the Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 is listed second, but make no mistake, it is first. It is first as we are the spiritual leader of the home, and so it is our desire that our wife's attitude of submission should come from our leadership of love, not that it should be forced by the threat of Scripture, but that it is a response to our lead of love. Second of all, we set the tone of submission for our household men by how we are submissive to authorities in our own life to governing authorities, to authorities at work, to authorities in whatever organizations we be a part of. But we set the tone of submission by how we, by we, or how we too submit to our authorities, especially to the Lord. Third, the head of his wife, when it says that in the scripture, it refers to spiritual leadership. Remember, that is in your home. That does not mean that every, head, every man is over woman of every woman. Like I said last week, try telling some of these ladies in here that you're over her and see what happens, all right? So that's not what that means. The head of his wife refers to, in the home, the, the husband of the wife and refers to spiritual leadership. Husbands, um, let me ask you this as we, we 
conclude this thought and go to another one. Can your wife count on you for spiritual leadership? And guys, this is what I would say to that. A lot of times we think of spiritual leadership as you've got to be a preacher, missionary, group leader. Like, that's not what that means. It could be what it means. I do think it means that you need to be able to answer the question. If you want your wife to be silent, that means you can answer the question. That's another part of Scripture. But, and, and that's a whole other thing. But there's, there's a part in there that it assumes that the man knows the answer. Y'all hear me? That's what that means. So, we, guys, we need to be able to answer a biblical question. But, but setting a, an example of, of spiritual authority looks like admitting when you're wrong. Setting an example of spiritual example looks like, I don't know, let me find the answer. It looks like spiritual growth when, when you don't have it all together. So th- this, these are all examples of spiritual leadership. Can you provide accountability? Can you provide oversight? Can you provide wisdom to a decision? Just as Jesus is the head of the church and the subject to the will of the Father, so the husband must be the head of the bride, his protector and provider, and subject to the lordship of Jesus. So... Tonight, we'll begin with where we left off last week. Husbands, our position is leadership, but it's not our command. Our position is leadership. Our command is to love, to love. Verse 25 says, for husbands, this means to love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. The first thing to notice from verse 25 is two words. The Bible says, this means For husbands, this means. So what is this? If you look back, it says in verse 22, for wives, this means. And then in verse 25, it says, for husbands, this means. For wives, this means submission. What is this? The submission to one another. Remember, he's telling the church to have an attitude of being subject to one another, submission to one another. So for wives, this means that you submit to your husbands. For husbands, this means that you love your wives. So it's out of this attitude of being subject to one another. This is a precedent that's set biblically for a smart home. And this is why one commentator says, each for the other and both for the Lord. And I write that down. I wish I said it, but I didn't. Each for the other and both for the Lord. Husbands, before we talk specifics of love, it's important to see what love is born out of. In order for us to be faithful, be faithful to love our wife, Our love for our wife cannot be grounded in how we feel. Our love for our wife has to be founded in what we believe. It's the same thing for the submission from the wife to the husband. If we want to love our wife as Christ loves the church and for our wife to feel loved, then that means it has to be grounded not in how we feel that day, but it has to be grounded in what we believe. If I feel disrespected today, if I feel disappointed in my wife today and my love is based on feeling, that means I will withhold love from her because it's based on my feeling. She didn't love me like I was supposed to be loved. She disappointed me. She disrespected me. So I will withhold my encouragement, my service, my protection, my provision. But if, my, if I feel, let's just say that is based on the feeling. If I feel disrespected and if I feel disappointed, but my love is based on my faith, and what I believe to be better than my own way, I will then extend grace and I will protect and provide and serve because I believe at the end of the day that God's ways are better than my own. I believe that God knows what he's doing and when he shows grace to me, it's not in vain because I don't deserve it and I love it the most when he gives it at that time. So it's based not on feeling but on faith. When it's based on faith, My responsibility to love is not on if she loves me, but my responsibility to love is based on my respect for God 
And that is stronger than an emotional connection. That, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, the, the couples that are married 50, 60, 70 years is something stronger than how they feel that day. It goes a lot deeper than that. When you read the scripture, it's, it's a good help to ask the question, is there a command to obey? You know, we always talk about when, when you're reading the Bible, if you want to understand it, you ask two questions. What does this teach us about God? What does this teach us about man? One question you can add to that is, there, is there a command to obey? Husbands, there is not an instruction. There is a command. Husband, love your wife. Husbands, love your wives. Therefore, to withhold love of any kind of whatever it looks like is to withhold obedience. And y'all know what it is to withhold obedience? S-I-N. That is sin. Sin to confess. Sin to forsake. And so if we believe Jesus is the Lord over our life, we will love because of him even when she's not lovable. Now, surely none of y'all's wives are ever not lovable. But if, if we hold our faith over our feeling, we will love even when she's not lovable. If God's love for us, think about if God loved us when we were lovable. It's, it's one of those you shudder to think about it. It, it. Think of this. If God's love for us was only expressed when we've been good. Or if, if God's love for us was only expressed when we've worshipped him. Or if God's love for us was only expressed when we've loved him first. Then that would mean that the sacrifice of Jesus would apply when we're good. But it would be taken away than when we're bad. That's a bad day. And that would also mean that the, the sacrifice of Jesus would only be applied when we finally proved our submission to him. When we have proved our submission and we've earned his respect. That is when God would love us. If we have proved ourselves and how we keep the letter of the law, no, no, no. That's not how God does it. He knows we can't keep it, which is why he sent his son, which is why he gave his grace. And so it's, uh, we'll say this again later, but I've said before in a previous sermon, love is not so much about how you are loved, but how you love. That's the expression. So get this, in a covenant relationship, Love is not expressed in condition. It is expressed in submission out of reverence for the God who established the covenant. So let's talk about love. Is that a song? Let's talk about love. That's another one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's relative to love. It's <laughs> young folks don't know. They don't even know. You got teenagers here. They have no idea what we're laughing about. Don't YouTube that. It is, let's talk about love. Isn't it interesting that when we read the scriptures, now think with me, it's as if the word and responsibility of submission is thought of to be difficult and the word and responsibility of love is thought to be simple. We don't get the kind of response when we talk about husbands love your wives as we do when we say wives submit to your husbands. The word submission carries that, and I hold up, and the word love is like, okay. Now, now, think about the depth of one and the other. We say, wives, submit to your husbands. And, and even wives, the most spiritual woman will be like, all right, that's heavy. Let's, let's unpack that. And then we'll say, guys, love your wives. And guys are like, got it. Perfect. That's all I got to do? Done. I feel it. We got it. But real love's not a feeling. Real love is an outworking or an expression of that feeling. Uh, that is based on truth. So, so when we think about that, you think about the Good Samaritan. I was at a Bible study this morning. They brought up the Good Samaritan. Fits right along with this because if you think about the Good Samaritan, did the priest and the temple assistant love that man in the ditch? 
Now, they could talk about it all they want to. Now, if you said, you know, you just need to love this guy. And, and you said, well, do you love that guy? Oh, of course, we, we love everybody. Well, no, you don't because you didn't help him. So, so if you help him, then you love him. And the Samaritan was the one that actually expressed, there was an outworking of truth and feeling of compassion towards this man laying in the ditch. So, so the religious guy and the guy that was supposed to be an assistant to the religious was like, we know the truth of God and they withheld love. They did not love him at all. So it's not just about this, this thing that we say. Love is, is much deeper than that. I know sometimes uh, y'all have seen this. We've seen it on a TV show before. We've experienced it in real life in my house. When we get off the phone, you say you love you. But if there's a weird tone or if it's too short, you're like, no, hold up. All right, love you. Love you, bye. Right? And, and sometimes we will like step back and, and be like, did we really say it in many or is that just what we do? Because it's, it's more than just saying it. It's more than just feeling it. Husbands, just as we put the word leadership, as we talked about last week, in the context of love, we need to put the word love in the context of expression. Because if our expressions are not loving, then our wife will not feel loved. And let me just say, I feel sorely unqualified to say this, even after 15 years of marriage, what will be in June, I know it's 14, 15 years in marriage, I feel still like we are still working on this wholeheartedly. So, I want you to think about this as you think about how we say the word submit and how we say the word love and what it means. If tonight you went home and, and you, you turn off the lights, you get in the bed, and before you go to sleep, you, you say to your spouse, women, you say to your husbands, I submit to you, and they say back, I love you. Now, that's different, isn't it? Husband says to you tonight, gives you a hug, gives you a kiss on the lips, says, I love you, and you say, I submit to you. Well, when we do that, as we see it bigger than, than what we feel, like now we've, we've deepened this expression of what we are to give as an outworking of what we feel. It seems as one of these carries this expression, but the other one is just something that we say, it's something that we feel. This challenges, it changes the way we think of our responsibility. All of a sudden, we've made the weight of love heavier. Y'all, this is what happens when you study the Bible. This is what happens when you go deeper than just seeing the word, but you look and see what it means and what it means through Christ. And husband, let your wife know that you love her as it is defined by the outworking of your expression. That is what I've learned all day long. Verse 25 says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And it does not stop there. It describes how Jesus loves his bride. And then the Bible says he gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for her. We are, are not to enter marriage with, with a love like you find in the movies. We are meant to enter marriage with a love like you find in the master. That, that is what real love looks like. And so you have to be careful when you fill your mind with all kinds of hallmark and all kinds of all these things because the credits roll at the end. Well, in real life, you wake up tomorrow and they're still there. Credits don't roll. It's still on good. So you've got, you got to filter everything that you see by the worldview of Scripture because it's not like the movies. It's like the master. And Jesus is the base example of love. And the love he presents to the world, the Bible says and expresses, is selfless sacrifice. That's what real love looks like. Selfless sacrifice. He gave up, the Bible says, he gave up his life for her, for the church. So out of the holiness of God, Jesus loves to the point that he became sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. 
That is the outworking of God's love to us. He took on the imposition of sin, the discomfort of sin. He took on the, the responsibility of, that sin carries so that we could have life. This is how Jesus loves his bride, the church. And so we learn from his selfless sacrifice. He, the authority, almighty God, sacrificed or gave up his life for the subservient. This is the high and mighty example that we are called to, which means even if we're not that great at it, we ought to get a little better, men. Like, we ought to get a little better. My grandfather, I'm talking about my grandfather for just a second. Very, very proud man. And like most men, just to be quite honest, he could be selfish. If Daddy Price were sitting here today, I'd tell him that, and he'd probably say, yeah, you're probably right. This was, this was who he was. Very proud, very tough, very independent uh, World War II vet. He was a lifelong farmer. He was strong, and he loved his family, but he rarely told us. Hardly ever said, I love you. We would say, I've told this before, but we would say, Daddy Price, we love you. And he'd say, we love everybody. Just I was like, no, that's weird. You know, like, tell us that you love us. And I knew he did, but it was weird, and he just kind of kept that back. But one of, my, one of my favorite memories of my grandfather was when my grandmother's health was fading. I walked in their house, and they needed a lot of help during this time, my grandmother was nearing the end of her life. She was losing her independence. And you know how you do when you walk into to your grandparents' house? Uh, one afternoon, I walk in and I holler at them, right? I'm like, hey, where y'all doing? Where y'all at? And my grandfather says, we're back here. And so I walked down the hall, and, and their bathroom door was kind of cracked open. And so not trying to invade their privacy, but knowing they did need a lot of help, I just kind of peeked through the, the crack of that door and all I could see and, and know was my grandfather, that tough, independent, stingy, sometimes selfish, World War II vet and lifelong farmer was bent over that bathtub giving my grandmother a bath. I've never, of all the images that I have of my granddad, that is one probably that I treasure the most because when I think of that image, it's an example of giving up your life for someone that you love. Giving it up, giving up your feelings, giving up your want-tos for someone you love. But then as I think about that in myself today, I'm just absolutely convicted because I wrote this down. I thought, Andy John, you don't have to wait for a season of suffering to selflessly love your wife. You don't have to wait when she's 90 and she's struggling and you know that you will. Like I can selflessly have an outworking of love now. And anytime we have the opportunity to lay our life aside for the sake of her good is an opportunity to love Jesus and to express reverence for God. For we give up our life. That is what real love is, is selfless sacrifice. Verse 26, to make her holy and clean. And even as you read this, you think, gosh, what are the, what are the weight of these words to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's words. The, these verses reinforce our purpose statement. I don't know if you know our purpose statement, but our purpose statement is together for the glory of God and the good of man. Together for the glory, glory of God and the good of man. The reason being is because this kind of love, now think about our purpose statement and listen to Scripture again. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. This kind of love of Jesus is to glorify the Father, but it's for the good of the church. It is, his kind of love brings glory to God and good to the object of his love. This is how a husband should love a wife. 
in the fact that our actions should bring God glory, but it brings her good. This we know to be true. Love pursues the best for one another. And I've stated this before, we've stated it already, but it's less about how we are loved and more about how we love. The love of God expressed through Jesus is to purify us, to make us more conformed to his image. His love leads to our submission, which means what? It means glory to him and good for us. When we are submitted unto God, it's better for us. And so this kind of love from husband to wife, this expression of selfless sacrifice is for the purpose of making her, husbands, for the purpose of making her the object of our expression, what? More like God and less like the world. Our love for our wife should help her to be more godly. That is the standard we're reading here in the scripture of love. That's that's heavy, isn't it? Meaning, if we love sacrificially, If we love sacrificially as obedience to God, the wife should respond in submission as obedience to God. As we set the tone of love in our house, there will be a response of submission to God as as a response in our house. And all of a sudden, we both become more godly. That's the idea that God has behind the husband's love for a wife as Christ loves the church. You see, this, this leads to her sanctification. Look again in the scripture. For husbands, this means loves your wives just as Christ loves the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And we're going to talk more about sanctification in just a second. But what this means is towards her progression of becoming even more like Jesus herself. Our husbands, this is, again, this is the the weight of the standard. Our love for our wife can help her become more like Jesus. That's something, isn't it? It's a a certain standard for us to uphold. And as we follow the lead of the Lord towards our own purity, we will love our wives towards theirs. But that's the challenge. Because, Because, again, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Man, it's going to be hard for us to love our wives to make her holy and clean, washed by God's word, if we ain't washed by God's word ourselves. If we're not holy and clean ourselves... We're going to have a hard time thinking about getting our wife where she needs to be or her growing spiritually and more conforming to the image of Christ. You see, you can't apply this whole, well, do as I say, not as I do. You can't apply that and be a Christian because Jesus says for us to be holy. Why? Because he is holy. So we can't be anything that we can't be selfish and expect our wife to be selfless. We, we can't demand to be she be obedient to God's word and be submissive when we're not submissive. We, that doesn't work. Verse 27. Verse 27, he did this to present her to himself. This is key. I really love this part. Maybe it's just spoke to me, but I really love this part. Jesus did this to present her to himself. He did this to present the church to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. My, my father-in-law, Mike McLemore, my father-in-law officiated mine and Brittany's wedding. Now, you talk about an uncomfortable part of premarital counseling. It's just if you think about you've had premarital counseling and all the things that you talk about and then you're sitting on the family couch and looking at your future father-in-law as he talks to you about everything, <laughs> everything, which is good for you and we needed it. But I sweat that whole night like, oh my. Sweet man of God went on to be with the Lord, but my father-in-law officiated our, our wedding 
But he also presented Brittany to me at our wedding. That's because Brother Dusty actually did the first part of our wedding. And he did the first part because he walked Brittany down the aisle. So he presented her to me to be my wife, and then he officiated the wedding. But I want you to think about what it means for, and some of you have done this, for a father to present your daughter as the bride. And, and some of you have experienced this. Some of you are thinking about this. A father holds his daughter arm in arm before presenting her to the future spouse. He, in presenting her, he spent years loving her. I always say this to young guys too. That, that future father-in-law don't care about how much you say you love her. You're telling the guy who's had her for 20-something years or however long that you love her. Straight up, he wants to know how you can take care of her and if you'll provide for and protect her. And that's what I've learned. I was just telling somebody earlier, it, it was more intimidating to me to ask Brittany's dad for her hand in marriage than to marry her. I was nervous talking to that man of God, for real. Because he told me, and just to share this, is getting outside of it, he told me, he said, I want you to do three things. I want you to love Brittany, take care of Brittany, and I want you to love God. Those three things. And I, I say those things. We talk about those things all the time. It holds my feet to the fire. But for, for all of those years, he presented her to me after years of him loving her, providing for her, protecting her, entrusting her to me. And he presented this woman to me, virtuous and capable of great worth, who fears the Lord. He presented her to me in a white gown, right? That's what happens when a father presents his daughter as a bride to a husband. Just as the father presents his daughter to a groom, Jesus presents his church to himself. Jesus works through his lordship to purify the church, to keep us from wrong, to keep us from bad decisions, to keep us from shame. He has, the, just as a, a father loves a, a daughter, think about this. So just as the father loves a daughter to present her as a virtuous woman, the husband loves the wife to keep her a virtuous woman. And God just did the work of salvation. God did the work of salvation to make us holy. God also does the work to make us sanctified, to keep us holy and grow in holiness for the purpose of God's glory. His example leads us. Husbands, don't miss this. Think about what this means for us. As we are leading our bride to present our bride as a glorious bride, without spot or blemish or wrinkle, she'll be holy without fault. God's love is doing this for us as he presents us to the Father, clean by his grace. His example leads us in life. His love pursues us in life. His spirit fills and convicts us. He stands beside us. He is always faithful. He's always Reliable, every circumstance consistent. He, the bridegroom, is present and consistent to lead us away from sin and towards virtue. Just as Jesus died for our sin, he also sanctifies us. So as a father has presented a bride to become the wife, husbands are to sanctify their wives, to see them through towards growth in Jesus. So men, this is what I'm learning. Seriously, this is what I'm learning. This love that is selfless sacrifice is not for the purpose of what she will give back. 
It's, it's not for the purpose so that she won't embarrass us by bad decisions, but for the purpose of her glory. Listen to that. This love, this selfless sacrifice is for the purpose of your wife's beauty, her magnificence, her glory, her, her splendor. As the Lord desires the church, as the Lord desires the church, Lindsay Lane, to be a healthy, holy church. He desires us to be a church that has confidence in ourselves. Man, we believe in what we're doing because God's presence is with us. We believe in what we're doing as we go on mission. Just as God desires us to be a holy and healthy church, the husband should love his wife so she will be healthy, holy, and one who loves herself, who has filled with confidence because her bridegroom has nurtured that within her. Our love for a wife contributes to her worth as a virtuous and capable woman. Just as God encourages the church, Husbands, we need to talk up our wives. Y'all want to be dumb like me? Make fun of your wives at social gathering. Make fun of Do that. Just pick on her a little bit in front of, at a social gathering. See how that goes. You young guys. <laughs> Just see how, that, see how that goes when you're young. And I'm telling you, we've, we've made a bunch of mistakes, and a lot of them have been mine. But we need to talk up our wives and believe in them even when they don't believe in themselves. To give them that backing and that confidence, just as God's word reassures the church, we need to reassure our wives of our love and our devotion. Like when we open the Bible needing a word from God and God gives it, that is how the husband should be when the wife comes to him for a little bit of assurance. As God's word breathes life into us, we should praise our wives. Proverbs 31, 31, reward her for all she does. Proverbs 31, 28, as God pronounces blessing over us, we should reward our wives. Reward her. If she's good, tell her. If she's good, reward her. Again, Tony Evans said, real love pursues the well-being of another. Verse 28. Verse 28 says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. And no one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Now, the scripture is going to move from comparing the love of Jesus to his church to something that we really understand, guys, how we love ourselves. Seriously. He's now going to say, okay, just love her like you love yourself. <laughs> That's when we should be like, got it, got it. So what, what does that mean? Like when he, he talks about this, well, we love our bodies. I heard a guy say this one time, and it's so true. We think we look good no matter how we look. Guys walk around like, uh, you're glad you married me. I know. And like, this, I look good today. I look good yesterday, but today for real. Like guys will do that. And, and also, I mean, we, we, we take care of ourselves. We're going to make sure we are not malnourished. We eat and we make sure we, we're taken care of. Like that's, that's what we're about. We, a lot of times the truth is we, and I'll be the first to admit, a lot of times we're about ourselves. It's about my schedule. It's about what we got going on. And so, we seek out love and to love, and we seek out to receive compliments and all those things. Well, here's the thing. The Bible says we're one flesh with our wife, one flesh. And I read this today. Therefore, in the same way we seek to be puffed up is the same way we should seek for our wife to be puffed up. We should want her to feel good because we're one. And so when, when she feels up and I feel up, 
then we both got it going godly. In the same way we would like for our wife to initiate affection, then we should initiate protection, meaning security and, and making actions of provision. As, as we ourselves want to feel good, in the eyes of God, her good is our good. And Jesus cares for the church in his way. What, do, what are we called? We are called the body of Christ. And God takes care of his body. Verse 31, we're, we're done. There, there is, there's more that, that we, because again, the scripture says, no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Verse 31, final verse. And y'all, we could keep going, but we, we don't have time. The scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. I will say this. We use the verse, verse 32, all the time in weddings because it's this, the Bible says of marriage, it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. Jesus is faithful to his church. Like it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. He doesn't leave the church, don't run out on the church, never leaves the church wondering or not if it's good enough because it's, it's up to him. And then... Verse 33, if, if you've not heard of the study, and I can't remember the guy's name. I know Brother Eric, you probably remember his name. But uh, there's, a, there's a study called Love and Respect. It's great. Check that out. I'm sure it's all over right now, media, which we have and different things. If you, if you want to take this a step further, love and respect because it's really great. But verse 31, and we'll finish. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, this refers back to the spiritual leadership of man. I didn't learn this this past week. There is no two becoming one until the leadership of leaving from the man. Just as, the Bible doesn't mention a woman, just as a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. There is no joining, there is no union to there's leadership of leaving from the man. He is initiating a new relationship, a family that is joined to his wife, he and his wife. And that word joined is key because it expresses being glued or cemented together. Joined together. Y'all listen to this. Joined to each other's body, joined to each other's money. Did y'all hear that? Joined to each other's money, joined to each other's family. Like you are joined together. And on that note, the new relationship with the wife is priority, even though the relationship to the family that you grew up with. I'm, listen, the biggest fight, and Brittany knows this, we shared this multiple times, so we're good. <laughs> the biggest fight that Brittany and I had at the beginning of our marriage was where to spend Christmas and how to spend Christmas. Because we love our families. She loves hers, and I love mine, and now we both love each other's, and we did then. But it was, it was really difficult to navigate through that. But when you know that it is God's desire that you give greater loyalty to the ones in your home than even so the ones you grew up with, because it won't work otherwise. It won't work otherwise. You've got to figure it out and make your own traditions. Now, my, Brittany taught me that. I, I wasn't prepared for that. I, Brittany had... Brittany saw two older siblings get married and saw their family and the family dynamics. I got married before my sister got married, so I'm going off of just, this is what Andy John thinks. Yeah, that really worked out. And so she, she, was, she was the one that taught me. She's like, look, I realize we've got all this going on, and we want to be everywhere at the same time. We've got to decide what works best for us. Because you can think about, and y'all, if you're an in-law, would you please them leave them alone so they can be married? 
I'm serious. Leave them alone and let them be married. Every wedding I've officiated, at the end, I will say this to the parents and the friends of the bride and groom. I say this, let them be married. Just respect their time and space. Don't be that one like, you go over there twice, you don't come over here but once. Let's just put another burden on their marriage when they go back home. Something else for them to fight about. And y'all are smiling at me because you know that happens. You know what happens. And for those of us that have young kids now, may God have mercy on us if we do that later. And I realize this is awkward for some of you as some of your children that are married are sitting in this very room. And y'all got to work that out. <laughs> work that out between y'all and Lord, I guess. But I'll tell you, tell you what's good is when everybody in your two families believe God's way is better than their own, and they understand this principle from Genesis and Ephesians, that the two, the man leaves, joined to his wife, the two are united into one. And that begins with the man leaving and joining. See, guys, as, when I think about this in verse 31, men, as much, as much as we want to duck and dodge our responsibility, remember when I said, to the, to the wives, no matter how you want to slice it up, submission is what it is. You're not going to be able to avoid it. Men, the same thing. You're not going to be able to avoid that it begins with you. Starts with you. All begins with your leading, your love, your leaving. Leaving meaning leaving your family to be joined to your wife. And it, it is kept together or torn apart. Listen to this. Marriages are kept together or torn apart, usually by both. But spiritual leadership is only given to one. It's only given to one of us. In our marriage, every day is an opportunity, final word, to express love or submission. Every day is filled with moments where it gives us these opportunities to, to live an exemplary life of Christ before one another. Every day is an opportunity to express grace every single day. And all of these represent Jesus. Amen? There's more, but we need to quit. Three minutes left. All right, let me pray for us. I also wanted to mention on that note before Greg comes and gives some announcements. Hey, I want you to hear this. Please hear this. And I know it's just Wednesday night. We have folks that will struggle in their marriage and go to another church so they can help them through it. Now, that don't make a lick of sense. The folks that know you and love you the most here that will keep what's going on with you confidential will help you. And you don't have to come see me. We got four or five different people, four or five different couples that will sit down and help you. Don't just let it go on. And, and listen, if you go to somewhere else, that's totally fine. But I don't think you should avoid your church family, the people that want to love you, know you. Well, I don't want y'all knowing what's going on with our business. We're just real people. Like everybody has got it. Everybody is messed up. Every, every marriage has things that to look back on with regret. Let us, let us help you. And you may say, look, I don't want to talk to you. I appreciate what you're saying. Would you get us to somebody else? We'll do that too. All right? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. And we realize again, Lord, when our homes are better, our witnesses are better. When our home is better, then we can focus more on fulfilling the Great Commission. And, Lord, to go and make disciples here, there, and everywhere and to baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And, Lord, may that be our drive and may our marriage not be a distraction to that. So, Lord, help us to submit and to love. And we thank you, Lord, for loving us the way that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.